0: Hey, welcome back everyone to this week's episode of Dementia in Black and White. I am your host, Matthew Johnson, and we are excited about this week's guest, Dr. Brian Gaines, who's going to share with us some information, and he's out here, he's working in these here streets. So we're going to have a good episode, good information for you. Get your notepad this week for Dementia in Black and White. All right. All right. So let me introduce our guest this week. His name is Dr. Brian Gaines. He specializes in program development, program evaluation, elder health and geriatrics, specifically in the area of Alzheimer's disease and related dementia. And in addition to all the other things he's done, he had also served as an Alzheimer's Association ambassador to Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Auntie Maxine from the 35th Congressional District, did that for over two years. So please help me welcome our guest today, Dr. Brian Gaines to the podcast. Dr. Gaines, welcome, sir.
1: Yes, thank you for having me Matthew appreciate the uh, invite to uh, have this. uh, This conversation that you know is just you know we just we just need to have it it's it's one that we don't have enough, and so you know I applaud you for you know, providing a platform you know, to have the conversation.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's just mix it up. First, I did a little introduction for you, but how about you just add to that anything that you want to add about you to just tell me about you. That's kind of your professional uh, resume. But what about you personally? Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Oh personally, well, um I was I was born and raised in 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 Los Angeles. Uh, you know, um attended um, you know, growing up, I, I attended, you know, private school and then decided that, you know, I wanted to test out the waters in public school. And so finally ended up, you know, graduating from high school and then uh, you know, going on to uh immediately thinking, you know the the goal is you know when you finish high school you you know you go to college you know uh, so some sort you know and so um I head out for that but you know I was hard-headed and you know and I wanted to be grown and live on my own and do my own thing no curfews and things like that and so I decided to ditch the whole college ideal and you know and just you know go for the job you know and uh and lo and behold I ended up uh uh being a manager at a Domino's Pizza, making Ooh. real good money at a very young age—you know, fifteen wow. percent bonus share. You know, I mean, I was breaking in the dough, and literally you know, and, you
0: know, and figuratively,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, learn, <laughs> and, and learning how to run a franchise, you all know, right, and, right. and being given an opportunity to potentially become a franchisee. You know, after I had put in time as, you know, after being a manager. Um, And so that was, you know, that was, you know, that was, I opted out of college and and decided that I was going to go that route. And, um, and of course, you know, that lasted for some time. And, um, and just as the same things kind of we're dealing with today, you know, when it came down to the African American men in the uh, Domino's Pizza, you know, organization or whatnot at that time, you know, you know, there weren't there weren't many African-American franchisees. And so, you know, the idea of, of, of most of the franchise getting all these big areas like, you know, my franchisee, when he came here from Chicago, when he came from Chicago to Los Angeles, they gave him a 10 store area. So he had an opportunity over the time to build. I mean, you're talking about downtown LA, mid Wilshire. I mean, you're talking about all, you're not talking about South Central, you know, mm-hmm. not not 25th in Vermont, you know, or something like that. I mean, you're talking about, you know, some really, really good solid areas. And so, you know, at the time, you know, when it came time, you know, for me to become, you know, franchisee, start thinking about it and, you know, whether or not this is something I wanted to do. And, you know, I was watching other people and it was another manager. You know, he went that route, and when they got ready to, to, you know, get his franchise. Basically, you know, they offered him like a one-store area in a, in, you know, in a, in a really rough neighborhood. He was going to need bulletproof, you know, for, you know, for the store and, you know, thinking about the drivers. And so, you know, I decided, you know what, maybe this is not something I want to do. And, you know, and just like every other, you know, person out there, you know, I, I got caught up in, in all kinds of things and, you know, and kind of got derailed from that. And, um and then finally found my way back to college, you know, and so, you you know, and, you know, a, a, after after the school of hard knocks, and I and I guess that's really why the work that I do today is so important, because I lived a lot of these experiences, you know, I know what it's like to be homeless on the streets, you know, yeah. I know what it's like to, you know, to use drugs, I know what it's like to do these things, and so I lived a lot of these experiences, so, you know, going back to get an education was just like, you know, it's part of what you need to do in order to qualify yourself for so many other things, but, you know, my education came from hard knocks, it, it came from 1st experience experiences and trying to do things. And, you know, and I was just fortunate, you know, enough to be able to find my way and find my way through education. Education saved my life, you know, as a black man. I mean, I can say it saved my life, but at the same time, if you want to just be real about it, it saved my life, but it also has put me in a huge, you know, jeopardy in terms of what I had, what I can do as a black man, you know, dealing with student loan debt. You know, it's real. You know, all the things that they're talking about, student loan debt, it's real. You know, you have a profession and a career and I dedicate myself, you know, to the community. But you can't you can't you can't make it with a community job with student loan debt like that. You have to go work in these big corporate, you know, nonprofit organizations and which disconnects you from the community. And so we wonder why so many of our black people don't do more community organizing community because you can't make it. You can't pay the student loans. You know, you went and got master's degrees and doctorate degrees. You can't afford to pay it. And so, you know, there's always this struggle, you know, how are you going to do that? So, but, but, you know, all in all, it was, a you know, it was the best decision that I've made in my life. You know, I spent a lot, blew a lot of money on a lot of things. I took out loans for a lot of other things. And so, you know, I'm not so heartbroken that I decided to take out loans to go get an education. Cause I got loans for a lot of big fancy cars and stuff like that. So, <laughs> right, right. You know, I, but this was an investment in me, and you know, and 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 the thing I can say that out of all of it, what 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 I gained was was character. You know, it 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 helped me build character in 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 terms of you know, like you know, yeah, I had street knowledge and in, and in, in what it was like, and I knew I could really help people out as a social worker. But you know, in terms of building character and allowing me to be able to do the work that I do today. You know, it is it, really helpful. And, you know, and then being raised by, you know, having a grandmother around That's you know, mm-hmm. I'm one of those guys. that's the grandmother's boy. And she instilled a whole lot of things in me at a young age that I did not understand then, but I use in my everyday life today. So that's, you know, that's kind of me, you know, raised around older people. So, you know, my field of work, it was like it's more of a ministry to me to work with older adults in the community. It's kind of like our, you know, what I consider a reasonable duty. You know, yeah, these people yeah. have paved the way for us to do things that, that that we do so freely every day. It's like, you know, it's not really work to me. It's 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 like a calling. It's like a ministry. It's what Because even growing up, you know, I, I took care of the older people on the streets then. Grew up around, you know, in a family with a lot of older people. And so, you know, there's this whole respect, you know, for your elders and this type of thing. And then when you see that they're not being treated right in the way that they're living in some of these, you know, senior homes. And when you go to the places where they're supposed to congregate and retire and have a good time at their senior centers, you know, you go to some of them, they're not create, created equal. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have all the, you know, they don't have the nice equipment in, in some of the ones in the Black communities. And, and so, you know, it's disheartening. And so that's why I wake up every day and think about, you know, how can we improve the lives of our older adults? Because And then I think about, too, you know, I'm not getting no younger either. And so <laughs> if I can build a generation of folks that is going, you know, let's look out for those that have paved the way, that's kind of, you know, that's that's my everyday mission, you know, um, and just get and giving back in so many ways. You know, I even give back, you know, in terms of working with college students. I sit on the Southwest College Foundation Board, you mm-hmm. know, and one of the things that I'm advocating for is trying to get those young kids out there connected. You know, the number of Black students that are enrolling is continuing to decrease. At mm-hmm. one time, Southwest College, you know, it was like a historical Black, you know, college at one time. And now we've dwindled down to very much of nothing. So, you know, I'm, I'm really rooting You know, for us to, you know, be that vessel to help, you know, rebuild uh, the community and and get some young brothers interested and you know, you know, maybe look at, you know, the types of things that maybe we're offering at Southwest College, you know, maybe, you know, to maybe get more people interested in coming, you know, so, um, you know, so I'm on both ends of the spectrum, you know, my thing is that I respect, you know, what, because there were people there for me when I was trying to get through. You know, a lot of it I had to do on my own, you know, navigating through community college to transfer and all that. I didn't know anything. I didn't have people in my family that, you know, that had went to college and knew all the layout. So it was kind of hit and miss. I seen a line, I jumped in it. What you guys in line <laughs> for said to get scholarships? I said, okay, I'm going to stand here too. I knew it. You know, I mean, that's kind of how it was. It was like, same thing. I didn't know about, I, I was like, you know, i want to go to USC. What do I need to do? I jumped on the bus and went up to USC and started asking questions. Wow. <laughs> so, well, you right know, but that's, you know, that's just me in a nutshell, you know, pretty open, you know, not, not, not big on, you know, the whole, being in the limelight, you know, a lot of people, you know, like that, you know, they like the photo ops and things like this. I'm really hands on. I like to roll up my sleeves and get out and sit down I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a researcher, but, you know, I'm really big on on, on really, you know, community-based participatory type of research where you're actually talking to people in the community, you know, focus groups, you know, questionnaires that are designed by them, for them and answered by them. And then we use that information to inform the work we do. We got a lot of great ideas, but if you don't talk directly to the people, those ideas are null and void because first of all, they don't feel like they're included, like you're trying to force something on me. And so that's the reason why, you know, the research. Side of me really loves the fact that I like to roll up my sleeves and sit down and let people tell me, you know, exactly what it is that, you know, that's right and wrong. That's how, when we work with our seniors, they tell us exactly, you're going down the wrong road. Don't ask no black people that question, <laughs> you know, and the women like, don't ask people their age. And I said, what about if we ask them what year they were born? Oh, well, now that's fine. I said, so isn't that, that interesting? All it's all like, you don't want to approach. tell me the age. But you're willing to tell us what year you were born in. Huh? Right. That's really interesting. But thank you, you. know, But those are the types of things that you need to know that could potentially be offensive. And you may not be able to get the information you need, but it's all about listening to what the people have to say. And that's the reason why a lot of our programs and stuff are failing in our communities. You know, it's not that there aren't good programs; it's that they don't include the people from the beginning. The diabetes programs and things like that. You know, they have some good programs, but the people are disconnected, and they feel like all of these things are being forced on me. You know, where's where my where's my voice in it? So, so that's that's really me in terms of me and how I work and trying to work with our professionals in the community. You know, um, to build those relationships. So I'm big on building relationships and collaboratives because I can't do this by myself. You know, I, I have knowledge and I have skills, but you know what? I like to stay in my lane. I like to do things that I'm good at and bring in other people that have other, you know, expertise that can help build and do what we do because you know we can all share in this experience you know i'm not trying to wear a crown or anything i'm trying to make sure that we get the resources and the services and the things that our community needs that has been lacking for so many years you know how do we work together instead of working in silos to to bring these things to the communities instead of starting stuff and stopping it Funding goes away, comes back. It's like, you know, so many uncertainties, you know, but that's because we're not working together because, you know, I've got an idea. I don't want you to steal my idea. You know, you have these organizations that are working against each other. Everybody's going after the same money. I don't want to share my information. With, so we don't want to have, you know, we don't say anything in our collaborative meetings and things like that. And so, so, but those create more barriers in terms of, you know, what's the end product, you know, in terms of those they serve, you know, instead stepping back and saying, you know what, this is not about me. You know, this is about those that we serve. And if everybody in agencies and organizations could really, you know, if they could all take that model and just step back and say, you know what, this is not about us. This is about those that we serve. Will it benefit for, will it benefit those that we serve if we collaborate with this organization? You know, not the fact that I don't like the way Susan works, so we're not going to work with her. And then the people in the community don't benefit because you've got some type of attitude about working with an organization when that's not even, that's not even the key issue. The key thing is that is it not about you? But, you know, you asked me to give you a little snippet of, of in, into who I am. And that that's just that's just me, you know, in, in, in a nutshell. And and I, you know, and I feel like, you know what, I just want I just want God to use me. That's that's where I'm at in my life. It's not about it's not about what people think about me, you know, how fancy I talk and how, you know, and how many articles and journals I write and all that. You know, I'm beyond that type of thing. You know, I'm, I'm really about, you know, what? How can I use my life and the things that God has afforded me to be able to do to help another person? Yeah, excellent. One person, two people, you know, and without need, without needing to be put on a pedestal for doing it. You don't need to know that I went out and and helped feed people and do others. I mean, that's not what's important. The fact of the matter is that those people didn't go to bed hungry that night. That's all that matters. And that's kind of, you know, that's 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 just me.
0: That is fantastic. Thank you for that. That's necessary background because that helps me understand the passion that you have today for the work that you're doing in your primary job and then how I know you through some of your volunteer work and a support group. So that explains a lot. And I like the fact that you are, you know, not just in the ivory tower of academia because sometimes people can spend so much time on research and doing the theories and testing the theories that They forget, you know, ultimately you're doing that work for the community. So if there can be some kind of duality happening where you're researching at the same time, having some experience with the people you're serving. It will inform the results of your research. So it's good to see that that is a priority for you. All right. So tell me uh, just a little bit about I know that you're in terms of your personal connection with the disease, it was your father who had dementia and you cared for him can you just share a little bit about how i guess that news came to you and how you got on that part of the journey
1: yeah um yeah quite 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 an interesting story you know uh my 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 father you know i him and i we weren't close first of all and so so it was kind of like this you know semi estranged relationship but you know i um Going about my normal everyday life, you know, in college, you know, graduate school, just, you know, living life and, and, and trying to get through, you know, the studies and all of those different things. But I received a call from my aunt one day and she basically said that uh, your dad has Alzheimer's. You know, not even pronouncing the word correctly. He got Alzheimer's and you need to come get him. I'm on my way to the state line. And mind you, I'm in the middle of graduate school. And so I've got all these things going on. And so, you know, first of all, it's like, you know, you know, dude and I, we don't even talk. And so, you know, here, here, this is, and, you know, I scratched my head and I said, well, you know what? I need to check in, you know, this is my father, you know, I need to check in on him. And so that was my first recollection of, you know, really, you know, even thinking about the disease period, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, you know, wow, you know, this man, you know, my father's like, wow, he's got this disease. And I've heard a lot about it, you know, but, you know I hadn't really focused in on it. And so that was my, that was my first introduction and, you know and one, one thing for sure is that when I stepped into the situation, you know, I stepped into something that was that, that's That was very difficult, you know, and even more difficult than the person that knows the person really well that they're caring for, because, you know, that's part of the key to caregiving is is being able to hit some of those points and, 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 and because you know that person so well. And so going into this thing, it was it was painful, you know, in the sense, you know, that, you know, not only does he have this disease, but. Here I am his son. I'm, I'm this is I'm, this is my blood relative. And I don't know enough about him to be able to. Benefit for him to benefit from me being his caregiver, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of sandwich does he like? Does he like with mustard on the sandwich? Does he you know I mean? Does he not like cheese? You know, all of these mm-hmm. different things are, you know, that are are kind of goal when you're, Mm -hmm. when you're a caregiver, because these are the types of techniques and things that you can use when, you know, person's having a bad day, give them one of their favorite treats. Okay. Well, what's what do, what's your favorite treat? You know, Uh I mean, it's like, so, so it was, you know, so that part of it is not only was just dealing with the disease, but dealing with the pain and the fact that, you know what, this is my father and I don't even know him and we don't have a relationship. And here I am in the midst of, of that. And so, but I knew, but I, but I recognized very quickly, you know, with my background, um, in in just social work, period, I I knew that I needed to shift gears. Mm. It's like, you know, all of this stuff that's going on. This is not, this is not, you know, this is, this is not going to happen, you know, but it was interesting because I thought to myself, you know, I can do a couple of things here. You know, I can you know, go ahead. And I guess they put people in homes or whatnot. I can see about helping him, you know, helping brother man to get in a home mm-hmm. or whatever he needs to do. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my, you know, this is my right. rational thinking, you know, it's like, you know, oh man, you know, I'm going to help him out, you know, go hook him up, you know, whatever <laughs> right. needs to be done. But, but not never in my mind thinking that I'm going to become his primary caregiver. That I'm mm. going to be making decisions for him, that I'm going to be helping him with his finances, helping him with his healthcare decisions, helping him order medication. You know, I had no idea that this was going to become, you know, my sole responsibility. Right. And, um, you know, and I was talking to my grandmother with all her wise wisdom and, you know, and I just told her, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm busy with my life and, and you know, and I need to live my life and everything. And she supported me with that and everything. And she says, and you can go off and live your life and and you're, you're mad because he turned his back on you and everything. And she just told me that doesn't make you any more of a man than he was if you turn your back on him when he needs you. Wow. And, and so, you know, that was a that was the awakening for me. In terms of like, okay, I'm getting ready to take care of him. This is my father, you know, regard. This is not the time for me to have beef with him about how I was raised and how he didn't play football with me and, you know, how he didn't teach me the things that a man should teach his son, you know, all that. This is just not the time for that. You know, although, you know, I have my laughs and my jokes about it, you know, in the midst of the disease, it was like, I was like trying to relive some of those moments. It's <laughs> like right. you know what, dude, you're going to the park with yeah, me all today. Right. All right, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll and throw was this like, football. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was just like you know, and just just different little things that I that I found myself doing, and it was like you know, and it wasn't in a negative way. Right, right, it was, right. but 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 it was you know, but part of some of it was for me. Yeah, you yeah. know, it was like this caregiver is like I was selfish with it. It was just like you know, I know you may need an island to go to park, but I need you to go spend a day with me at the park and let's have lunch or something you know because we didn't do that when i was little you know Uh, i was just like you know i was like well i'm not gonna go get the football i'm not i'm not gonna do that but we (laughs) did have have a ball and we did you know we did some little things but you know but that was you know that was just that was you know me being you know not not mature as as a caregiver at that time you know trying to find my way through and, and figure it all out but, you know, I learned real quickly, you know, that, you know what, I need to learn more about what I'm dealing with here. And so my whole course of study in graduate school in in midstream, it it shifted.
0: and oh. you
1: know, I was I was always focused on older adults, okay. you know, but um, but I, I wasn't, you know, specifically going to focus on Alzheimer's. And so when it came down to to um, get my we, we do field placement, where we go out and work actually in an organization. And so I chose my field placement to be the Alzheimer's Association for my for my last round, for my concentration, what I was going to concentrate on. And I did that, you know, purposely. You know, because I needed to be somewhere. And I found out, you know, did all my research and found out that this was one of the leading organizations that did research and all that kind of you know stuff like that. And so, you know, I went to the little affair that they had and and met with uh this lady named Kathy, and mm-hmm. and we talked and 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 you know, we liked each other. And I ended up, you know, she ended up choosing me, you know, and and and, and it's very um very competitive, you know. it was a, a geriatric uh, uh, social work education consortium and they give you a little stipend and all that kind of stuff. So anytime there's money involved, you know it's competitive. And so, you know, I went for this competitive process and I knew when I went there, I knew what I was going for. I knew which, exactly which organization I wanted to go to and I made it a point to go there and I was chosen to do that. And that was really my, my beginning of my educating myself around that because I was able to immerse myself in this whole disease by working at an organization learning what the different jobs were and learning what you know all these different tools and names of stuff and it was just like just like doing a real deep dive like an immersion you know it's like you that's know right. you just immerse yourself into the, to the whole thing and that's what that internship allowed me to do um was to, you know to to do that and so finish and after finishing school it was like you know what I'm not even thinking about you know traditional work with my degree right now i'm focused on my dad i'm gonna take this whole you know i'm 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 gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna make some lemonade out of these lemons that i got right here and it's like you know we're getting ready to make this work and mm. you know and i said so after school after i graduated and and got him situated he didn't have long-term care insurance and so all of the things i had learned about planning for the future and mm. all those different things that it requires when this disease hits home it's like you know it's kind of one of the things that we later down the line out put on a church fan it's like when dementia hits home and it was a way for you know it was mm. like instead of the, having the mortuary stuff on the back of the fan at church it's like let's put some real information on here when dementia hits home wow. and what we did is we listed all the different categories of things that people need to think about, you know, all the way down to making end-of-life decisions. And so that's where, you know, that's where my mindset was. It's like, he doesn't have long-term care insurance, but he's got a home. And of course, you know, with family dynamics, um, by me not being close to him and being his only son, all of his family, his brothers and sisters, you know, since now they called me and told me to come get him. You know, mm-hmm. when I started taking over the affairs and things like this, it's like, oh, you're uh, you, you know, you're taking advantage of him. You're doing all these things. And so, you know, naturally, all that stuff started started to come up. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just stood, I just stood strong and, and went in there and said, you know what? He's going to have to use his house. You know, they not they want us. To, well, he needs to sell his house. No, he doesn't need to sell his house. He needs to keep his home. And in, in fact, you know, when I started looking into it, I'm like, ooh, this licensing process to go through that you have to go through to to get a facility, and they didn't have many of them at that time. You know, not mm-hmm. many. Uh, they they had a lot of care facilities, but they weren't licensed specifically to take care of people with dementia. And the only reason why I decided that this was something I needed to do is because, you know, when you when you're trying to find placement or something for, you know, for for African-American or a black man or or a black person in general, there's certain things that you kind of need in place. and, and, And trust me, there was nothing. The place where I had my dad for for a while for as a placeholder was in a Jewish community.
0: All right, folks, well, we are going to stop it right there for now and continue this conversation with Dr. Brian Gaines next week on the next episode of Dementia in Black and White. And you are going to want to come back because if you thought the first half was interesting, (laughs) wait till you hear the second half, I thought it was just so unique to hear Dr. Gaines talking about actually turning his father's home essentially into an assisted living facility to care for people his father and others who were dealing with memory issues man what a wonderful wonderful idea and trust me when i tell you it has crossed my mind but there's some challenges to doing that and some benefits and if you would like to hear about those well you better come back next week to dementia in black and white that's it for this week thank you for tuning in and as always absolutely that's a wonderful thing you're doing caring for your loved one being a care partner that's great but also take care of yourself until next week i'm out